<laughs> a little bit. It'll it all be. matters so much. What are you talking about? It doesn't matter. Nothing matters in a little bit. In a couple minutes, we won't even be matter. So. Well. <laughs> all right. That was, guys, that was deep. You guys ready? I am. Yep. All righty. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the new episode of Pot of the Dead. I am your host, Nicholas, and with me is... Stephanie, the wife. Tasha, the sister. <laughs> and I am I am your Alita scum, uh, Nicholas, as previously stated. On today's episode, we will be discussing the 2007 uh, horror anthology film Trick or Treat. Um, this film uh, has an interesting history and uh, development on how it came out, what it was supposed to be in these things, and how it ended up getting released direct to DVD after being shelved and being shelved. And uh, through that has developed quite the cult following. Um, what are your you two? Uh, what is your history? with this film uh stephanie why don't you go first so i got introduced into it from you and is kind of like my seg into horror films after a long i would say break from them because i'm not really a huge horror fan which is coincidentally enough weird because i'm on a horror podcast but uh and i started watching it and i fell in love with the movie and i thought it was really good and i've watched it probably four or five times now and i learn new things from it every single time i watch it so it's definitely an easter egg film all right tasha this is my this is my first time watching it um all that i knew about it was the cute little sock mask character <laughs> right on <laughs> yeah i saw this movie not too long after it came out on dvd years ago um i initially when i watched it i was kind of meh because again uh my nose is so up so far up in the air that i could drown in rain sometimes when it comes to horror like i said it came out in 2007 so if it wasn't foreign or new french extreme art nuevo kind of stuff i was just like poppycock <laughs> it's it's got people from the x-men and it's for shame uh yeah. Uh, in my years as I've grown and matured and stuff, uh, I still hold my uh, elitist uh, card for some things, but uh, it definitely has grown on me more. Uh, definitely more times I've watched it, I've liked it more and more, especially with it being something that uh, early in Stephanie and I's relationship, I showed her and she gravitated towards it. So that made me like it even a little bit more because uh -huh. it was something for her and I to connect and talk about and everything like that. Uh, so uh, this film, uh, like I said, is an American anthology horror comedy film written and directed by Michael Doherty and produced by uh, Brian Singer. Brian Singer is the man that gave us the first few X-Men films. So there is a connection there with our casting and stuff. The film stars Dylan Baker, Rochelle Eights, Anna Paquin, a.k.a. Suki, <laughs> and Brian Cox, um, who I've seen in multiple things. Most currently, he's in the television series Succession. Um, it uh, relates four Halloween horror stories with a common element in them. Sam, a trick-or-treat 
uh, trick-or-treating demon wearing orange footy pajamas with a burlap sack over his head. The character makes an appearance in each of the stories whenever one of the other characters breaks a Halloween tradition. Five interwoven stories that occur on Halloween. Uh, an everyday high school principal has a secret life. Uh, a college virgin might have just met the guy for her. A group of teenagers pull a mean prank. Uh, and a woman who loathes the night has to contend with her holiday-obsessed husband. And not to forget, a mean old man meets his match with a demonic supernatural trick-or-treater. Um, so the budget for this film was $12 million, which uh, compared to last week's film uh, was five. Um that being said, for $5 million, Oculus came out into theaters. Um, this film did not. This film went direct to the video after being shelved for multiple years because the production company, the higher-ups, the, the men in charge of the money and stuff, just didn't see it being as a good return on investment and stuff, considering the market at the time. At one time, it was uh, going to come out. And they're like, I don't know about the market. Then they're like, we'll just we'll put it out next year. And then like Saul four comes out. They're like, nope, nope, we're just not going to do it this year. We're going to maybe next year. <laughs> and then they were just like, fuck it. Just put it out on DVD. We'll see what fucking happens. We'll never speak of this again. Um, and slowly through word of mouth, this movie has, excuse me, this movie has developed an insane cult following mostly visible by its uh basically its mascot sam uh the aforementioned f orange footy pajamas burlap sack child uh in the film which we have a uh i say half size candy dish of him in our basement right now that always has treats for us when we're down here playing games or recording the podcast and stuff like that mm -hmm. so we just got sam out here you know burlap sack hat face and all just giving us some treats <laughs> um so this film by bloody disgusting uh a horror publication is ranked uh they rank this film ninth in the list of the top 20 horror films of the decade in which it came out so the early 2000s they gave it its ninth calling it so good that it's a lack of theatrical release borders on the criminal i agree i agree with that which it blows my mind that like especially in this day and age when everywhere spirit halloween which uh i just went to this past weekend and stuff uh you you fucking see sam everywhere the amount of money that warner brothers uh because they're the ones who ended up releasing this could have generated and stuff and it's because they they were like, well, it's not horror enough. They wanted to cut so many scenes out of this movie to make it straight horror when it's a horror comedy. Like it's it's lighthearted at times. Sort, but sort like, of, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, there's like some like laughing, like legit, like jokey scenes in this movie. It It's a dark it's dark comedy, but it does not take itself seriously. And at that time, 2007, like I said, you know, You've got the Saul movies, Hostel, Hostel 2's been out now, like, you've got the Eli Roth and all this kind of, like, you know, Rob Zombie's putting films out, and then, like, 
this like legit love letter to Halloween comes out and they're just like, fuck this movie and just threw it out on DVD, which is a shame. I agree. So, um, all that being said, um, we are going to give out a, an early spoiler warning on this film. We are going to go and, uh, explain our thoughts on it. Uh, what happens throughout the film, what we wish would have happened, what we liked, what we didn't like. We're going to, we're going to champion this film. We're going to piss on this film. Uh, there are no sacred movies on this podcast. I'm looking at you, the shining. Um, yeah, so we are going to get into it. So the, the lights have been lit. Uh, the, the jack-o'-lanterns have been lit, let's say, um, and the, the warning sign has been out. So we are going to get into uh, trick, trick or treat, trick or treat, not to be confused with trick or treat, which was an uh, 80s horror, like heavy metal horror film, uh, which they wanted to name this film that, but uh, they couldn't get the rights or something like that. So before we go into it, we are going to dive into IMDb a little bit, and we're going to play a little bit of 1 out of 10, 10 out of 10 review. I'm going to read you two reviews on this film, and you're going to guess which one of these is the 10 out of 10, and which, oh, that's my mic, which one of these is a 10 out of 10, which one of these is a 1 out of 10. So let's see how, uh, how this goes. <clears throat> Whether it's intentionally bad or unintentionally, it is a terrible movie. Mixing up the chronology of the film is always an interesting technique to keep viewers on their toes. However, this is a ridiculous amount of chopping and changing that actually just makes it hard to follow. I don't like paranormal fiction topics at the best of times, but a gravity-defying immortal pumpkin kid is beyond saving. Please do not even get me started on the werewolves. Literally just an excuse to allow some attractive girls to moan and rip off their clothes. Not to mention that it had absolutely zero relevance to the plot. What irritates me the most is the subtle Halloween references such as Lori and the Michael Myers-esque figure staring at the woman in the start. The film should not even be allowed to call itself a slasher, let alone tie itself to the most famous slasher of all time. One out of ten, purely because there is no zero option. Would not recommend to my worst enemy to be free. Can I say a review of that review? <laughs> the fact, the fact What's that you that? said, I don't like paranormal movies. <laughs> Great there, just already yeah. tells you. <laughs> I don't like this style, <laughs> yep, so therefore too. I don't like this movie. Anyway. Alright, so that was that the 10 out of 10, do we think? No, but the thing that doesn't make any sense about that review is it, it says that it's like jumbling the storyline. It literally hand feeds you that it starts a certain way, says it goes back in time, and then it walks you through the whole plot in a circle. It's literally it starts and ends at the same time. <laughs> it, it is, but it's linear. Common sense. Different track. <laughs> time is a full time yeah. is a flat circle. Okay, flat circle. <laughs> Got it. I, 
I just. I just. Okay, go on with the ten because that guy is. I think no, that was the ten. No, because this one's so much worse. Oh shit! <laughs> Trick or Treat 2007 is a movie in my DVD DVD collection that I recently rewatched on Shutter. The storyline follows a neighborhood one Halloween season filled with werewolves, vampires, serial killers, and the ghosts of children who tri- who tie who were tied in a bust accident. Halloween is the one night all these worlds can collide. This movie is a brilliant blend of comedy and horror, a little bit like Slither. Love the opening puke storyline, followed by the hilarious conversation about Charlie Brown and the neighbor. The horror elements in this film has a creative blend of solid jump scares, supernatural elements, monsters, blood splatter, and gore. Every worthwhile aspect of the horror genre is in this. Overall, this became an instant classic in the horror genre the day it was released. I would score this 10 out of 10 and strongly recommend it. That was much better. (laughs) So, um, obviously, some divisive opinions on this movie. Um, And we will see what uh, the, the three of us feel about this movie. So, in the opening scene, we have uh, a husband and wife coming home from a Halloween parade, and she is tearing down decorations and stuff, but the husband is very like, oh, come on, can't we do that tomorrow? Like, it's still Halloween, and she's she's very Scrooge-like, you know? Because her mom's coming yeah. into town. Um, and she's like, the big no-no, like, that gets gets her on a shit list as she blows out a jack-o'-lantern and he's like you're not supposed to do that so uh she's tearing down the stuff and he's uh being the standard husband and being like hey uh kind of get a little little something something from you whatever he's like checking her out non-stop and everything and she's just not having it and she kind of like caves or whatever and she's like fine put on the videotape i'll be up in a minute <laughs> and he's like Hell yeah, I'm gonna get it in tonight. <laughs> Busting out the videotape. Yeah, and uh, the videotape that he busts out is uh, labeled. I love, uh, I love it. It's a, it's a, a nature special VHS. <laughs> Pops it in, and it's. Yeah. It starts out playing like a like a Discovery Channel nature special and stuff, and you later see in the film that it's taped over a bit, and it's a porn. So uh, yeah. But yeah, she's she's pulling the sheets and stuff, and it's got like this kind of tense music playing and everything. You're just like expecting something to happen, and uh, nothing nothing really happens at this point. Uh, I believe she's like pulling them down, and then something like she's pulling, she's pulling, and then from under a sheet that she's not pulling yet, if I remember correctly, something comes and gets her. Is that correct? Yeah, she gets slashed with a sucker or something like that. Yeah, gigantic lollipop. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then the opening credits roll, which I love the opening credits. It gives me that like Tales from the Crypt vibe, like the, and not just the television show, but like the legitimate comics, the old EC yeah. EC comics from like the fifties and sixties and stuff that was rotting the youth of America. All these horror stories are ruining children's lives and <laughs> perverting them. The Marilyn Manson of their day. Um, 
So well, it walks you through the it walks you through that whole storyline. So I love that about that. When you're watching the opening credits, if you pay close attention to them, it literally breaks down what you're about to see. Not like with giving too much away, but it's kind of like, hey, this is what we're going to put you into. It's four stories, all these things. So it kind of prepares you for what you're kind of walking into. And I really like that because it's done in like that comic book opening and it's more interesting than a lot of movies open yeah they definitely like it leans into it just being like uh this movie's gonna have some style to it like it definitely it's a very confident film whether uh that confidence is misplaced or not is up to the viewer but it definitely and i can tell you as someone that didn't watch the opening credits nearly as closely as you two did you have to watch the opening credits <laughs> and realize that there are four the quick story mm-hmm. line. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh the opening though, uh definitely I, I really like the music playing to it because it's very reminiscent. I don't know if it's like an homage to it or something, but it definitely has like the feels of the reanimator theme, uh, which is one of my favorite horror comedies from the 80s. I believe it came out like 85, maybe 86. Um, but it just got like this it almost almost like uh, what's his name? I, I'm losing my credit right now, but the dude that does all the Tim Burton films, Danny Elfman kind of has this Danny Elfman kind of feel like kind of feel to it and everything kind of gets you in that mood, which I love. Like you throw that in there and like, I'm like, oh, OK, we're going to just have a fun time. There's going to be there's probably going to be some blood and stuff, but, you know, this is going to be a good time. Okay, so Tasha, do you ever notice anything like this when you're watching movies as much, like that detailed into music? Because he's the only person I know that does this. He's like, did you hear the soundtrack? And it was doing all these things. And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm paying attention to the characters and all the details. (laughs) And you're over here singing the song in the background. Yeah, I didn't. No, I didn't get that gene. Okay, thank you. It's not it's not just me. (laughs) So when we come back, uh, you're hearing um, I can't remember. Uh, But I believe it's uh, maybe television might be radio, but you're hearing a newscaster speaking and it literally it wasn't until I think this last time taking notes, watching it and stuff. It legit tells you the things that are in this movie because it says werewolves, zombies, demons, as the newscaster is talking about, like the different things it's seeing at the parade. We get those things in this movie like. So it's talking about the people being dressed up, but it's literally saying like what's happening in the film. I thought that was kind of cool. And then uh, that's when we we meet our our uh, what, what? How did he put it? Some attractive women that blah, blah, blah. We, we meet our group of girls, uh, one of which is played by Anna Paquin from the X-Men movies. Uh, Suki Stackhouse from from True Blood and stuff and uh a little cool thing is they're getting their uh halloween costumes for the night because they're gonna go to a party and they're gonna they're gonna meet some guys and everything uh lori uh is going to basically lose her virginity lose her virginity is how it's played up and you have her sisters it kind of is leaning towards it doesn't exactly say but like it just like the way they're treating each other and referring like mom always said and all this they're implying that they're sisters a cool little thing is they're getting peeped on by a little boy uh 
during them getting dressed. And the thing that's pretty cool about that is that is the, I don't have his name in front of me right this second, but that is the boy that his name is Quinn Lord that plays Sam throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, oh, okay. I was the, wondering where you were going with that being a cool thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is cool. Michael Doherty loved his performance so huh. much as Sam in this movie that he thought it was a shame that he wasn't able to see get his face shown in the film. So he gave him that spot so he could point out that that's him. Like that's cool. Everything else, he's masked and everything. Yeah. But in this scene, you actually get to see uh, him in the film, which I thought was really yeah. cool. Yeah, that is cool. You yeah, see little like Quinn that. peeping on, peeping on Sookie. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're talking about their Halloween uh, gets of the year by as if it was sex, but it's basically something been, else. Yeah. Like <laughs> boiler warning has been kind of thrown up. Like they're, they're talking about like, Oh yeah, I did this, that. And they're talking in a mixed way of like, is it sex or is it food? Because they're they're blurring some lines and stuff. It's like, oh, you know, I had Mexican last year and it really upset my stomach and all this kind of stuff. And it's not until later in the film you find out she's talking about a Mexican person <laughs> upset her stomach, not a burrito from Taco Bell. Oh. <laughs> so um, the thing that I did like, though, about these werewolves, uh, cats out of the bag, the wolves out of the bag, these girls are werewolves. Uh, you don't find that out till later in the film. But that they're played as like seductresses. And I really liked that about it. Instead mm -hmm. of them just being beastly, vicious, like monsters, like the, with this bloodlust, they kind of have this like siren kind of feel to them, which for me, I've, I've seen my fair share of werewolf films, but by no means would I say that I'm an aficionado of the, like the trope. Um, but I've never seen it played where they're literally luring their prey in. And I thought that was cool. Which is why I thought yeah, they I were think... vampires for the majority of it. Yep. Because that's yep. kind of more a vampire tactic versus a werewolf. Yep. Yeah, but they, but again, this is one of those things where they do kind of uh, allude to what it might be, but you don't, that was one thing I didn't pick up on with the uh, little red riding hood thing, you know, the big bad wolf mm -hmm. thing where she's dressed up as the character, Sookie's character, Sookie, Lori, excuse me, Lori. Uh, Anna Paquin's character, she's wearing a little red riding hood costume, which is super cute. Yeah. And she's like, I look like I'm six. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, they uh, they're talking uh, like to the cashier and stuff and telling them that they're going to in another another nod, like telling you kind of what they are, because it doesn't tell you what they are until the reveal. They're going to party at Sheep's Meadow. So wolf and oh. sheep's clothing, also, also the big bad wolf and stuff like that. It just kind of has all this kind of this stuff. So from that, it cuts on to the next bit of story um, where we see bad Santa kid. I can't, I believe his <laughs> name's Charlie. It's, it is the, uh, it is the kid that played the, uh, the young child and bad Santa shows no, up. Charlie is in the, which one are you talking about? This the son? No, no Charlie. Charlie's the curly haired. Kid. Oh, the yeah. Yep, he's walking down, knocking down pumpkins, jack o' lanterns, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Again, big no no. 
going to get you got in this movie if you keep fucking with these pumpkins and stuff. Um, and he comes up, he's smashing pumpkins. He's going to st- like, I think there's a, a bowl that says like, take one or something like mm-hmm. that. And, uh, uh, he, uh, is going to take a lot more. And that's when we meet our principal character, uh, played by Dylan Baker, who, uh, for this performance won, uh, the, what was it? The Fangoria Chainsaw Award. Uh, I think it was like 2010, maybe 2009, uh, for best supporting actor for this. So Fangoria, yeah. the horror publication. Every year they have their own award show that is strictly just about horror films. And last last movie we watched, um, Oculus, the mother in that one best supporting actress or, or best. Yes, best supporting actor, or actress. And in this one, we have another recipient of Ooh. the exact same award. So in good company for our uh, podcast. <laughs> so yeah. um, so he starts stealing the candy and uh that's when we see the principal come out and it's like oh you're taking one he's like trying to lie and stuff and he's like don't waste a good lie on this <laughs> and he has him sit down and is like you know i used to be a lot like you when i was a kid and all this stuff and uh he's got a knife and everything and the kid's like kind of worried that he's gonna get fucked up by this principal which i mean he does. Yeah. He has, he has a right so. to and yeah. he's, he's creepy, like, with how he just is, like, kind of, mm, like, luring and everything. You're like, you're like, this motherfucker gonna kill this kid. And he kind of uh, reassures him. It's like, it's not for you, it's for the pumpkin. And he's carving this pumpkin and everything and explaining to the kid that, you know, like, I used to be like you, and it wasn't until my dad's, dad taught me, like, set me straight. Uh, which we see how this is generational for his family <laughs> of yep. how we're setting them straight and the kids just eating candy, listening to the story. And we get the best vomit stream ever. Depends on who you ask. And yeah. I, I was going to say, I see you shaking your head, Tasha. What's your problem here? Too you like a good, much. too much vomit. <laughs> one man's too much is another's like pour some sugar on me. <laughs> The viscosity of that vomit was absolutely just amazing. And it was like a really good color too, because it's like chocolate mixed with like bloody color. It was just brilliant. I do agree it was in volume crazy, but I felt like it really drove the the wild part of the story home, I guess. I believe I read that it was a mixture of uh, like melted chocolate and corn syrup mm-hmm. uh, and some like red, like, like, food coloring kind of stuff to like kind of get it there. And uh, Michael Doherty has actually stated that uh, he actually tasted it and it was actually quite delicious. <laughs> I mean, it's corn syrup and chocolate. It can't be too bad. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's just sugar. Yeah. I'll never be able to watch Willy Wonka the same. It's just it's yeah. a waterfall <laughs> out of his mouth. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and he's he's just he's just puking. And I, I die every time the principal is like looking at him. He's like, want a root beer? <laughs> he's just puking like he's like and he just falls over and he pulls a lollipop out and just says, always check your candy. Leaning into the like the urban legend of, you know, razor blades in the candy and stuff, which later when you go into his house, you see that he is poisoning this candy. He is filling them with blades. This motherfucker is 
every red flag of Halloween as every a child. Every parent's like, nightmare. Don't go up to strangers. But, yes. Yeah, like straight. <laughs> and up. he's the principal, so that makes it worse. Like, and yeah. he's dragging this kid yes. into the house, like he's unconscious now, <laughs> and then he's dragging him or walking through the kitchen or whatever, and then you see this whole table full of poison, and I'm just like. The details in this movie are so on point, like down to him pulling his own sucker out and like just, oh, I just love this movie so much. And let's not forget the (laughs) twist that we didn't know he was the principal right away or maybe not a twist, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't brought up right out of the gate. It was a little little hidden there for a minute. I think it's later on when the kids, yeah, when the kids show up in a little bit. But this is actually a scene when he's dragging the body in and he's like, the blood and puke is like spilling all over him. He's like, oh, and he's kind of like slipping and stuff. The studio wanted to cut this scene because it was, it was deemed like too funny, Hmm. not because it was too gross (laughs) that he murdered a child. They just thought it ruined the tone of what they wanted this to be, the serious you know, horror film and stuff. And this one of my I favorite agree. scenes. Like, I love the, the slapstickiness of it. Of he's just like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Fucking now I got to deal with this. So he's dragging it in and he closes the door. And while he's dealing with it, there's a knock at the door. And he's just like, just a minute as he's covered in blood and vomit. Uh, and he opens the door and there's uh, some some children here dressed as an angel and a pirate. You've got a girl with the headgear on and stuff. And these are some kids that we're going to be following through the film as well. Um, and he, like the pirate kid notices like the blood streak. And he's just kind of like, this is when we find out he's the principal. He's like, Hey, principal. And the name's escaping me, but principal Wilkins, Wilkins. There you go. Yeah. Wilkins. Fucking (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah. Hi, principal Wilkins. And he's just like, has this like, uh, have a tr- have a happy trick or treat kind of vibe to him, like this like very leering kind of feel. Straight behind him is our our mascot Sam. Comes up, grabs himself. It wasn't until I did research for this movie, grabs a very specific red candy bar out of this that we will see later in the film from this bag or from this bowl of candy and then he's dragging his sack behind him and you hear that there's a fucking cat in this bag as it's going down the stairs and you just hear it like thud 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 and he's like, rawr, rawr. I love uh, that too that's so cute it breaks my heart but cats. it was such a we solid, have a cat named- solid bark. <laughs> yeah it's it's like we have a cat named Gimli he's like my boy he's a black cat and Matt shout out to Gimli um so he grabs the candy um and then we cut to this like lawn gnome holding down a tarp and uh he's basically getting ready to throw the kid that he just murdered into a hole that he's already got a kid in the ground he's so this isn't the first kid that he's got tonight and enters the loudest (laughs) fucking kid to ever exist his son is upstairs yelling out the window like, Dad, are we going to carve a pumpkin tonight? Dad, are we going to do this? And uh, the dad's like, no, just keep it down. Like, why don't you just go watch? <laughs> why don't you just watch Charlie Brown? And I believe he's like, Charlie Brown. <laughs> <He did. laughs> Love that kid. Uh-huh. And something, another thing I didn't notice until I was researching at this time, uh, Later, we see him dressed differently, but at this time when we see him, he's actually dressed as Chucky, not dressed 
like to be Chucky, but just the outfit he's wearing is Chucky. The bib, oh. the striped shirt. He's just <laughs> that's his clothes. Like this kid is just Chucky, kinda. Oh, um, and that alludes to what but, happens later in the storyline. So that makes sense. Okay. Yep. So uh he's starting to bury the kid, and then you hear uh the next door neighbor yelling for his dog spite. Uh well the dog the dog spite starts barking and the neighbor starts yelling to it, which We've already talked that that <laughs> might be our next dog's name, Spite, which is a dope ass mm -hmm. name for a dog. And uh, he kind of sees him through. The neighbor looks through the, the fence and is just like, What are you doing over there? Hiding bodies? It stinks like a dead It's a very specific thing to think that yeah. it smells like outside. Uh, you, have, you have to have had a history with that, I believe. <laughs> Um, and then this fucking kid again is just like, are you almost done? And just like yelling. And he's like, well, we'll hang out later right now. I've got a date, you know, I've got this date that I got to go on to. And then it, it cuts, it cuts to another scene now. So we're starting to like get these multiple timelines going and everything. Uh, well, actually before it cuts, he starts walking into his house and you see that neighbor that was just giving him shit. And he, you know, he tells him like, Happy Halloween. He's like, screw you, you know, very Scrooge like again, uh, going into his house. And then as Wilkinson's walking up to the door uh, of his house, he sees him like banging on the windows, like uh, mouthing like help and stuff like that. And he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> and just walks in the house. Mm -hmm. Just whatever. Don't care. And but we'll get to see that later. So. Now it's time to kill the kid is how it felt to me. I thought this motherfucker was going in to murk his son because he he's like, we're going down to the basement. Uh, he's hiding the knife behind his back. Uh, as you're going down the basement, you like see these masks and stuff like hanging up on the wall. Yeah, it's it's creepy. Uh, when I saw those, I was wondering, like, was this part of his other kids that he has killed on Halloween's because you don't know like when this principal how many kids he's killed you don't know like any other backstory other than he's obviously like crazy and he has definitely killed somebody and I'm curious like if maybe he only does it on Halloween or maybe like that's his excuse or maybe he does it more often I wish we got a little bit more understanding of that what we know is that he was taught the right way to celebrate Halloween by his father. Oh yeah. So that's probably what it is every year. And I wonder if we count them, if we can see how many, how old his son is, if that's how many masks they have on the wall. Could be. Um, something that we skimmed over and stuff is like, while that whole uh, neighbor and him altercation is going on, a body that he had in the ground that he thought was dead was like grabbing at his foot and stuff. And he's like, beating the shit out of a kid with a shovel while trying to like talk to the neighbor which is so fucking funny to me because he's just like he's like what was that he's like oh i just like basically like, <laughs> stuck my toe like all this stuff but the kid in the ground though this is the thing i thought was weird about it i think he's like dressed as a clown or something there's like stripes or something yeah. on his clothes so i'm like what what's going on here yeah uh also there's a point where he cuts off after he kills that kid like there he cuts off the finger of it and throws it over and that's what he shuts spike up with is the spite or spite i'm sorry spite with yeah uh yeah it's a really funny scene and the fact that like the studio wanted this to be a straight horror film i don't understand and it's because mm -hmm. of that it's because of the the 
temperature of the horror genre at that time this was just shelved and stuff and it's ridiculous but anyway he's taking his son downstairs and uh he's like okay like dad can you show me how to are we going to carve that pumpkin he's like yeah we're going to do it and he puts his hand on the kid's head and he raises the knife and you're like see it's gone this is this is because you talk shit about charlie brown you know (laughs) and uh we see that he goes in to something and you think it's a pumpkin you're like oh okay it's just another fake setup uh no not not really a fake setup it's actually far not it's pretty fucked up (laughs) (laughs) you then see the the kid that he just murdered upstairs it's his uh decapitated head on a lazy susan and they're carving it like it's a jack-o'-lantern um and the boy in like this really like fucked up kind of creepy like you know hmm just like let's carve a scary face this time he's like okay son and it's like oh shit this is what his dad taught him and now he's passing it on to his son delightful delightful well and we we also forget that the mom's dead so like he's like and he you can tell he doesn't care the husband doesn't or the you know the principal so i have to wonder if like did he kill her too? Like, it's like this weird. So I wonder like, if this is a family thing, did his mom also get killed by his dad? Like if it's this like reiteration of like, just mental illness, essentially. And I was really struggling with that scene with all of the, all of the paraphernalia upstairs going like, why is this kid so chill with all of this stuff? Like he wants to go down and carve a pumpkin, like any like standard kid would. And then it made complete sense. That was like a really big, ah, okay, I get it. <laughs> Everyone's in on this. <laughs> yeah. So then we cut uh, from that scene and we meet the kids that were just at his, the pirate, the angel and stuff like that. And they are uh, collecting jack-o'-lanterns and stuff like that. And they go up to uh, a raucous party. It's a, it's a fucking swingers party that is mm-hmm. going on. I think, or maybe it's a key party. It's, they be fucking behind that door. Somebody's somebody's getting got in this. But it's their teachers. It's yeah. their teachers. It's one of their teachers dressed up as a, a sexy black cat that is just completely half lit. And she's like, hey, you guys want to drink and all this stuff? I couldn't think of a worse situation as a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is my favorite. One of my favorite lines in the film. The, the pirate kid. Uh, is kind of like looking past the cat woman and you can kind of see the party going on and everything you see like this hot dog character like a guy in a hot dog costume like dancing up on somebody and everything so then they get their candy or whatever and they leave and the pirate kid is just talking to the friends he's like i think i just saw a hot dog but fucking a pig and <laughs> it fucking that is one of my favorite lines in this movie just <laughs> And it was their gym teacher. <laughs> gym teacher. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. I just the absurdity of that line. <laughs> I just saw a hot dog butt fucking a pig. And then uh they just keep walking, they're collecting their jack o' lanterns. And then you come across uh what I have in my notes as the most dope jack o' lantern front yard ever. Yes. Yeah. They come upon this uh old house that is easily got like 200 completely different jack-o'-lanterns carved uh beautiful these and all of these were not real pumpkins they were like uh synthetic pumpkins that are Mm -hmm. made to be carved they weren't like styrofoam but there's like a specific company that makes these and everything and uh yeah so then we we meet 
this young girl Rhonda Rhonda uh in her cute little her cute little witch uh outfit uh they refer to her as an idiot savant and stuff like that um she's pretty like hardly bullied on in this film and it's kind of uh the way that she acts and stuff in this film leads me to believe that she might be like i don't know like lightly autistic or something like that but like at the same time like she's a sweet character she's very like she's a she's a good character but like these kids are just like she's weird she's different and because of that they feel that uh that she can be the butt of their jokes but as we see later in the film the jokes like on them then it cuts like they we meet her they uh collect up some pumpkins and then they invite her because they're going to basically have a laugh at her expense in this film they invite her to go with them the so it's kind of like the cool kids picking on the not the outcast by like she's not an outcast because she wants to be she's just she's her own different one she's the different one and they see that as something to be mocked and stuff so they're going to use her as fodder for their halloween pranks and then we uh we cut to a dope Halloween parade that I would love to go to. Yeah. Uh, this is supposed to be set in Ohio. Uh, it's this dope Halloween parade that supposedly this this movie's supposed to be set in Ohio and stuff. Uh, we're from Ohio. Uh, I've yet to see one this cool, and we we see. Um, is it a the, real town in Ohio? Does it ever say? I don't, uh, I I want to say it does name drop the town. I don't have it in front of me. I didn't note it down. It might be, but I I don't think it is. Okay. The I do know that the parade itself, because I believe the movie was shot in uh, Canada. Mm. I believe it was shot like in Toronto or something like that. Um, the parade was actually a real parade that goes on up there every year like it's a legitimate parade that goes on and stuff i can't remember the name of like the organization that puts it on and stuff but like that's a that's what they fucking do like it it might not be like uh, it it might not be like that they just shot the parade the people involved in it are the ones that are involved with that parade so that's that's how they went about that and then uh we get kind of this like vampire uh scene of this guy like chasing down a girl and everything and isn't that the the point where we're seeing this like hooded man with the mask and everything oh okay yeah 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 Yeah, like chasing the girl down the the alleyway and everything um and i i just have down here that he kind of is like batman vampire he (laughs) just kind of has this like vibe to him and stuff and so uh we cut to the kids walking to a stone quarry and they talk about the halloween school bus massacre uh kind of on the nose name uh <laughs> but uh they're talking about in, in a flashback that i really do like because it's got like this orange filter sepia tone mm-hmm. about like uh these kids that uh they were like special needs kids and on halloween they uh their parents paid off the bus driver to drive the bus into the quarry because these kids had become such a burden to them so collectively these parents had had it or just had 
been pushed to their limit that they were just like, you know what? We're going to kill all these kids and we're going to pay this guy to do it and be rid of our children, which is horrible. So bad. Yeah, it's it is legit like sad because while it's going on, uh, the the child that's dressed with like the vampire mask and stuff um, is counting the well, he's not counting. He's reading the house address numbers. So he's like, you know, six, two, zero, five, six, two, zero, seven. So because of that, he knows that the bus driver takes a different route and he's like, wrong way, wrong way. Like he's realizing something's wrong. And this is after the bus driver is going through, making sure that or no, he's driving them there and then stops at the quarry and then double checks to make sure that they're all chained in. He gives them all a piece of candy like for their buckets and stuff. And he's going to drive them into this quarry but it's at this time that the vampire kid is just like nope this is this is wrong this is i want to go home i want to go home and gets to the driver's seat with the bus driver still like in the bus towards the back handed out candy and puts it in gear and hits the gas pedal and drives the bus towards the quarry the bus driver is still inside and it goes over uh later the next scene cuts to the bus driver coming like coming to shore in this quarry because the quarry is full of water. Um, and you see the like him breathing hard and everything, and you see the masks of these children float to the surface as they have been killed. And it's super sad. Like they don't play it up for laughs. Like yeah. it's yeah. it's this like and this is the story of what happened. And then they just kind of play it. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a downer, but like it's. Oh, it is. It's, it is. <laughs> I mean, but it, it's, it's heavy. Like it's not like it doesn't ruin the film. Like, oh, gotcha. It's not like crying or anything, but it's just like, that's fucked up. It's really fucked up. <laughs> well, and then he has a scar on his face. So like you can associate that later on in the film. So like you can definitely tie all of that together. But the other thing I found was interesting, kind of like with all the Easter eggs within this film, is that the bus they're riding is from Happy Shepherd Academy. Like, how messed up is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a really hard time with that scene. It made me sad. I was mad at the writers for putting it in, to be completely honest with you. Uh, it was it was really unnerving that that whole slow quiet all you hear mm-hmm. is the one boy yep and, and i like, like it considering your background and your field not to go into anything like i imagine it hits even harder oh yeah because like that's kind of your line of work you yeah know? you don't you, yeah you're not a bus driver but i <laughs> mean like, a you, bus driver. Yeah. you work you work with kids and stuff like that yeah well, it's also unfair that the only person that survives of all of that is the bus driver. Yeah. Like all these, there's eight kids and all eight kids die and it's just very tragic. And, um, they're all wearing masks cause they're like celebrating the holiday. And it's, I think it said it was 30 years to this movie. So like 30 years prior this happened. So that was kind of interesting too. Well, it's really neat too. Let's see. I've got it here, uh, somewhere. Uh, maybe it was in my previous notes. Um, Ah, here it is. Uh, The performers under the masks playing the kids on the school bus all have real disabilities or injuries, and they uh, apparently had a blast during the shoot. Uh, The costumes were inspired by a mix of photos from 
Ralph Meatyard and Diane Arbus capturing real mentally disabled children on Halloween in their own homemade costumes. So there are these pictures of like these special needs kids and stuff. And they took that inspiration to tie it to like, this is like a real thing. Like, and the fact that they like went the extra yard to not just be like, they're not, they're not doing it for shock value and stuff like that. And they got, they've got kids or yeah, I like that they got like, like representation of the people that unfortunately like it's a sad scene, mm-hmm. but at least they represented it appropriately. Yeah, abs- mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I thought that was really cool that they did that. Um, so yeah. So uh, then it cuts back from the, uh, the really cool, like sepia orange toned uh, flashback and the uh, angel who's kind of the head of this gang of like shitty kids uh, talks about that. She's got, there's eight, they collected eight jack-o'-lanterns for the eight victims uh and uh yeah i've gotten my notes the angel girl is a bitch and i've never called a child a bitch this child (laughs) is a bitch i good fucking god like i hope that she's a very sweet girl like she's she's a a stellar actress but good lord like she just is so slimy and stuff like the 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 guy that she's kind of fancies or whatever is like being nice here and there because he's supposed to be like the bait for the girl or whatever and he's being but you can see that he's like actually cares for this girl yeah. uh, Rhonda and stuff and she just gets like all these like shitty looks at him and everything every single time he's just like oh that's really interesting she's just like it's not fucking interesting I'm the one that's interesting has that <laughs> kind of vibe to her and I'm just like fucking throw this kid off a bridge <laughs> Uh, but then we we cut back to the parade and uh, Little Red Riding Hood sees our Batman vampire. And uh, what do we got here? Uh, so we see the fact they make that connection and oh yeah, the angel, the angel like drops the hard R talking about Rhonda and stuff like that. Just adding like more Your for hatred me to, of her. Yeah. She's just like, you know, all this horrible stuff. And, uh, they basically are going to set it up. They're setting up Rhonda because they're going down here and they're going to put on the guys that they're, they're zombies and they're going to just scare the ever living shit out of her. So, uh, they're screaming and stuff. They go down, like, the kids go down and everything and Rhonda is the butt of the joke. The kids all pretend to disappear and stuff and they get dressed up in their zombie guard and they scare her to the point where she falls and smacks her head on a rock, which easily could have killed her, could have cracked her skull. Um, and the boy that has been used as the, you know, the sexy bait for her, like the, the charming guy that's talking to her, like, at this point, it's like, she's had enough, guys. Come on, stop it. And the angel, the little bitch, <laughs> is just like, has this like, she's had enough when I said she's had enough kind of thing. And just like, you guys are kids. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> just the worst fucking thing. And then. Uh, I love the irony of the angel being the hardcore yes. bitch. In this. <laughs> yeah, she's just fucking horrible. The other the other two kids that isn't like the the bait guy the other two are like kind of just along for their ride and stuff they're like uh okay and everything but she's just fucking a horrible person <laughs> uh 
but so like that's all happening and then the kids go back out into the foggy stuff because they think they saw something i believe is how it works right i i know that they do something i don't know if they're running for they're running out of it or whatever they hear something and then they're not sure what it is well we we find out what it is and she gets uh, away and she goes back up and they're trying to get back into the elevator to go back upstairs and she's like i don't think so and she goes back up with her pumpkin that's still lit because they had blown out the last pumpkin down at the quarry and except for hers that i think was maybe still in the lift or she had with her i can't remember and she goes back up and they're basically left to whatever decides wants to do deal with them and we see later on but it is the the zombie children of those kids that were driven over the ledge are killing them and and, and you don't see it but you hear it you hear limbs snapping blood gurgling guts getting ripped out you know all things good in my book and yep. uh Rhonda makes it to the top of the elevator with her pumpkin and in the distance you hear the faint howling of wolves yep. which ties into our werewolves that we'll be seeing later in the film and Rhonda walks out of the elevator sees and there's Sam there's Sam just looking at her sees she's holding the pumpkin and everything it's just like good on you and just continues on his way off to cause some mischief mm -hmm. elsewhere yep um so at this point we i believe cut to the werewolves uh i think so they're luring back the vampire guy because they're like making out in the middle of the forest and He's there and he bites Lori's character because he's, you know, the vampire guy. It really go into like it doesn't make any yeah. fucking sense. Like it well, makes him super cringy. It, it does. It's like he wants to kill people. So I'm wondering if like he associates like because he's a, he's the serial killer guy. So like I'm wondering if he like somehow thinks vampires are the next thing i don't i don't know like maybe that's what he desires yeah. to be in life i have no idea that motherfucker read twilight yeah probably it's like hey, here yeah, we go. My chance. I, yeah. this is how it's done <laughs> yeah exactly well I'll and then you fucking sparkles yeah well and that's when you're like following along and like he's like you don't, you think she's hurt because she screams and then the next thing you know he fucking falls out of a damn tree <laughs> like you you blink and it's like what just happened and then her sisters are like looking at him like on the ground like what happened and she shows up and she's like you know a hot mess a little bit with blood down her neck and things like that and uh that's when the show goes on like you don't know if they're vampires or they're witches because they're around this like bonfire and you quickly learn that you know hot dog man's laying like his costume <laughs> the, the the gym teacher's laying next no. to and she loses her virginity in a way that, um, the not normal way, let's just say. It's, it's her first kill. So, like, when yeah. his body falls down out of the trees and stuff, the girls, like, kind of rush up to it because they hear her scream and then they see this body fall. They think it's her. And then they're just kind of like, oh, oh no. They rush up and then they uncover it and they see, like, it's just this other guy. And they're like, oh, well, that's 
huh and that's yeah like Lori comes like strolling in all <laughs> like hey what's up you know? mm-hmm. and uh I, I like this scene a lot like this is when you f- the reveal of them being werewolves happens and they do it in a really neat way mm-hmm. um because in most movies like american werewolf in london and stuff like that like there's like these very visceral like bone crunching like extension kind of stuff and you watch the snout come out which is all i like that stuff too this one like they keep talking to her about like you know like just be yourself just be yourself and how they do that is like they literally like cut their skin and just rip off their skin and they're these gnarly ass practical effects werewolves which looks so good i love that and then Lori, like she's got like these kind of fanged up teeth her eyes are like yellowy kind of and stuff and gives a cheesy (laughs) line but i like it in the setting and stuff she's like what big eyes you have and then in some of the worst CGI I have ever seen, it looks <laughs> up at the camera and you see her face kind of extend out into like a wolf shape. And she be- begins to mow down on the principal slash vampire guy and all the other werewolves. How if they had the budget to like have these super cool practical effect werewolves, they could have just done yeah. that or just had it her normal face and get into it but that cg is so bad it is some of the worst i've seen and the the fact that so many people worked on that and people like checked off on it like that's acceptable is a damn shame Mm because it it is for me it is the thing that keeps this from being like oh it's a great movie is that glaring cg just makes me go like no that's good it could have been great it's so close but like it's just like oh it's the first thing that comes into my mind it's like oh you've seen trick or treat i just see her fucking face the marilyn manson's cover of uh sweet dreams playing and i guess there's another song i'm not familiar with it that they wanted to have but they couldn't clear the rights so the marilyn manson song was actually the uh the second choice for it and in these given times and stuff and everything like he's kind of a shitbag well he is a shitbag it seems and everything but uh uh, I grew up listening to him. I still listen to him to this day. Don't at me or whatever. You know, like, it's what I grew up with. But, uh, yeah, like, the scene really works. The, the music mixed with the bonfire, mixed with them ripping their skin off. It's it's a good scene. And then it just fucking shits the Yeah, it wasn't with, up until you know, that moment CG. that I realized they were werewolves. <laughs> so that was, yeah. Correct, like Steph said. Like Steph said, and I think you said as well, uh, thought it was vampires. Then there was the uh, bonfire, and I was like, oh, it's witches. Yeah, yeah, the twists in this movie are what what make it for me. Yeah. And then I believe we cut to our final story. Yep. So um, we see the neighbor earlier that has the dog Spite. We see him uh, sitting in his house drinking some some whiskey or some alcoholic beverage and uh he's getting not harassed necessarily but there's like kids coming to his house for trick-or-treat and stuff like that and you see him like unlocking all of these locks so like there's some sort of history here with this guy because it's not like one lock two lock it's like eight locks it's like 
So he's got this history of something going on. Well, and his house is like all really old inside. It's not up to date. The walls are peeling and it's like very drab and dark and like something's wrong. Like there's nothing's updated. You're still using like, I want to say like rotary phones or something like that. Like it's insane. Like the amount of age it has. Like the remote for his TV is like an old Magnavox remote from the 60s, like the hard click button, like kind of stuff. It's just like you can tell this guy's kind of like on the line of being like a recluse. Like he does not go out. He just lives here. So he's unlocking these doors and stuff and the door opens and you just see like these eyes and this like growling sound and enters spider spite. So the dog is dressed as a spider and just chases these kids off the property the kids drop their candy and this man gathers up the candy and just takes it into the house. So again, another Halloween Scrooge. Yep. Um, oh, and then he's, he's got a, a fireplace going and you just see him kind of throwing pictures into this fire. And uh, there's the, was it Ron? Ronco. Forget it. Commercial, like infomercial playing in the background and stuff. And uh, then his house gets egged and you just hear like the eggs smashing. He's like kind of looking out the windows and stuff. And you hear this like childish, like ha 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 kind of going on and everything. And he's kind of getting pissed and he goes out and lets spite out. And you get to see that spat that he had with his neighbor from the other side of the fence. So you're seeing him kind of look through and everything and what's going on. So you're seeing the story now from a different perspective. And, uh, comes back in the house gets spite in because spite's barking and everything and eating the finger eating the finger and then spite i believe looks upstairs and like kind of like or kind of growls a little bit and runs upstairs so he follows suit because he thinks he hears something upstairs Mm -hmm. uh so he goes up and he like looking around looking for spite which we don't necessarily find out what happens to Spite in this movie. It kind of makes it seem like maybe Sam killed, kills Spite. Uh, there is a scene, though, that was cut that shows that Spite was not killed. So no dog was actually killed in, in this. <laughs> I would like to just leave that there. So we've got two movies with dog survivors. Uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, expect our email. Uh, and we're not so sure about the, the cat, but at house. least the dogs have um, survived. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, cat, that cat's getting fucked. <laughs> um, but he goes upstairs and he sees something moving under this bed, under the sheet of his bed. He lifts it up and it's just like one of those old mechanical hands, kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, was it thing or whatever from the Adams family, like yeah. a little hand moving. And he's like, kind of like confused. And at this time, a jack-o'-lantern that is in this room, this bedroom bursts, like erupts in flame. And you see writing on all the walls in this room. It says like trick or treat. And it might be like the full like trick or treat smell my feet kind of like all over in different sizes drawn all over this room. Artistically, that was really cool. Like I love the whole inside of that house and everything that's played out in the house between the guy and Sam is just really creative. Like every single bit of it. And that bedroom is just like the star of the, the way that they film it and the way that they portray all of it. It's just really beautiful in like a very creepy, weird way. 
Yeah, it's a very cool set piece for the movie. Very, like, iconic in my eyes. Like, just that eruption of fire from the pumpkin. The yeah. trick, the tie. They said the name of the movie. Kind of feel like it's all over the walls and stuff. And uh, our protagonist for this point, which uh, we later find out is the bus driver from the bus drive or bus massacre slumber party okay. freddy's nightmare whatever <laughs> the, you know uh this is him 30 years later he gets the old uh, pet cemetery achilles tendon cut from under the bed and he, here's our boy sam sexy <laughs> sam in his footy pajamas comes out <laughs> um holding a candy bar that uh, if you pay attention to watching the movie, it is the candy bar that he got from the pen- principal's candy dish, and he unpackages it, and you see a razor blade sticking out of the candy bar, which is now his uh, weapon of choice. So we then get a uh, kind of a, a fight scene, as it were, with Sam and the bus driver through this house. Yeah, but it's cool because it's like there's candy on the stairs and on the floor, and then there's also razor blades just randomly thrown in with some with some uh, glass and stuff. So like you're fighting through all of this, and then you already know like um, Sam is like a not a normal kid. Obviously, he's like a he's the what is it the of Halloween? He's like the spirit of Halloween. Halloween. He's named basic basically after Samhain. So that's what his name's short for. Like Sam Hain, Sawin is Sam. He is the embodiment of the spirit of Halloween. Did Sam set up all the candy and razor blades like uh, Home Alone style? Yes. Yeah, it's like the, and he's a spirit. So it's not like he had to run and do it. He's just like making it happen. Yes. So it's his trick or treat. Like you either get treats or you get fucked (laughs) up. Just ask this cat. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then they like they're fighting and stuff and then my one of my favorite scenes is like when the bus driver guy has the upper hand or you so you think and he shoots the freaking kid and he blows into his chest and and blows his hand off and stuff and there's just pumpkin guts everywhere and it's just awesome and then that's then just when you realize that you know he really is made of pumpkin yeah, i really like that it's and it's not even like in the in the movie it's made to makes you believe that it's pumpkin guts but for some reason they didn't use pumpkin guts they used yarn and like ky jelly or vaseline to get that effect it works mm-hmm. but it's just like why didn't you just maybe it because of the lights and stuff they didn't want it rotting and smelling and all that stuff but yeah then you get like the evil dead hand so like you think he's dead and then the hand just starts crawling back so you get two references to two movies i absolutely love in this point you get the hand crawling back which is uh, kind of a nod to evil dead because in that film ash cuts his hand off and then he has to fight the hand in a ridiculous scene um and then the bus driver looks and sees it and is just kind of like you've got to be fucking kidding me which is a nod to the thing because in that movie a head comes off of a character sprouts spider legs and starts running away and the crew just looks at it and says you've got to be fucking kidding me so it's like literally just like oh this is this is nice this movie is legitimately like it's not only a love letter to halloween this the holiday but it's a love letter to horror fans so it gives a lot to like you see these things you're like oh oh it's literally that uh 
uh, uh, what's the guy? Um, the DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> meme where he's like pointing like that, the thing. You know, it's like, it's literally that. Every oh, time I watch man. this movie, I'm like, oh, they, I know what that means. So, uh, he's fights Sam and everything. Uh, Sam goes in for the, the killing blow. Uh, after, uh, he, well, it's revealed that underneath this burlap sack, it gets ripped off and you see that it's not a human face. His face is a pumpkin through the fight and everything. And Sam bites this jack-o'-lantern lollipop into a sharpened blade. And that's what he's going to use to kill this guy. And he goes to stab him right in the chest. And Brian Cox's character, the bus driver is just like, ah, and he stabs him and you see him kind of like open an eye. Like, wait, I'm not dead. What's happening. Sam lifts it and there's a candy bar stuck to it. He just kind of no. chews on it very cutely. I might <laughs> no. add. Just, mm-hmm. Too much. No, Unnecessary. <laughs> I thought it was super I thought it was super cute. And he's like, okay, I got my treat. We're we're okay here. And he just gathers stands up, gathers his things, walks to the door. The door just opens <laughs> for him. Dope as hell. He walks out the door and the door just slams. And he's and the bus drivers just left there going like, what the fuck just happened? We then cut to uh, the photos that he's burning. And that's when they reveal that it, he is the bus driver with the, uh, the kids from the bus. Uh, it then kind of jumps forward in time. And we see uh, some more kids trick or treating at his house. He comes out. He's had medical attention and stuff. He's in a sling now and everything. And, they say like sweet mummy costume and he gives them candy, which is the candy that he stole from those kids earlier. And, uh, he's just like, yep, you know, happy Halloween kind of, you know, like he's all fucked up, shuts the door and has another knocking at the door and he opens the door and it's the zombie kids from the bus and the vampire kids like trick or treat. And it shows his face. He's like, and I believe it's credits basically at that time, or it's not credits. It cuts out and we're seeing the, uh, the couple from the beginning of the movie walking to their house for, from the parade and Sam's watching all this stuff. The car drives by and about hits the, about hits Rhonda. I believe it is as she's crossing the street and the, that car is the werewolves. And it's just like, at the end, it's just tying all these stories together uh, you're seeing the the little kid that was dressed like Chucky, the like Charlie Brown's an asshole kid, just sitting on the front porch, handing out candy because his dad's out trying to get some strange and stuff. You know, father of the year. But he's dead. Really. But he's dead now. Yep. He's well. He's going to be dead because we. No, he's girls, he's dead. That's he's the dead end. That's point. the end. Yep. Okay. So yeah. So uh, that's how the movie kind of ties itself up and everything and. That's uh that's trick or treat. I can only imagine. I know they re-released this in theaters. I think it was last year for like a limited run. Um, and hopefully mm-hmm. they do that kind of yearly. I want this movie to kind of come to like that kind of thing where it's just like a traditional thing. It's definitely a tradition in this house where it's like, well, it's the Halloween season or whatever. So there's certain movies that have to be watched. And this is one of them because it <laughs> definitely embodies the season. Mm-hmm. But uh now is the point in the show that we uh, clear the floor and give our scores. So out of uh, out of ten uh, dem- demonic spirit 
pumpkin children. <laughs> Out of ten Sams, how many Sams does Sam Sam? Uh, Steph, why don't why don't you start? Okay, so I always get caught up in like what I'm going to rate this movie because I just love it so much. And it is the embodiment of Halloween, but it's one of the most brilliantly written Easter egg movies probably ever in the sense of like the amount of details that goes into this. And it isn't, it is, but it isn't a simplistic storyline. Like they really do a great job with it. So I would say I'm going to give it a nine just because I feel like it's probably my favorite horror movie as a whole. And I just love it. It's good. I'm going to give it a five. Five Sams. And this is why. (laughs) I think each storyline could have been its own movie. I do agree with that original review of, um, of it just having so much going on. And I must, I clearly am not as, um, vigilant when it comes to this movie because there was a lot of stuff that i missed so it did seem like it was kind of jumbled together the ending did tie it all together in a nice little bow for me but um i think that there was just so much going on that it kind of left a lot it was jumping around a a bit too much for me and now that i know it was a horror comedy a lot of that um a lot of the things that i didn't like make a little bit more sense like the gratuitous vomit or the evil dead thing hand running across there were a lot of scenes in the movie where i was just like all right this is this is a bit ridiculous um i don't i don't get it <laughs> uh but i did like the the twist I, I love a good twist so the principal being the murderer was cool uh that was my favorite one the little red riding hood being a werewolf i thought that was cool but overall uh i might give it another watch just because we of now that I know so much, being able to point out those Easter eggs, but I'm sticking with a solid five. Um, talking about uh, the like how there's a lot going on and everything, uh, I, there is a thing that I saw that said editing this film was described as a brutal process and hell. The only sequence that plays straight through is Krieg's demise at the end, the bus driver. And uh, they said that they, uh, I wish we did do a super special edition, which allowed you to watch the stories by themselves. So that would be kind of cool if there's like later down the road, there's like some release where they re-edit. Like you can watch the normal film, but then you go in the special features and then it's a different cut of the film. And it is literally just here, just so you can see it in a row. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how, like if, if the movie is as good as, uh Steph believes it is or whatever because of the editing and how it is if maybe if they're in line just normally maybe it's not as good maybe it's better who knows uh that being said uh I like this movie it's uh it's really like like I said like my initial watch and stuff I was really snooty about it and everything and that was many years ago I've watched it probably 10 times uh cuz I think every year since it's been out I've watched it in uh preparation for halloween stuff like that because it it embodies it like there are very few films i mean this movie out halloween's the movie that calls that is called halloween uh and embodying not not in craft and stuff like that but like in it being this is the holiday like in halloween itself does not have 
up until this point does not have a mascot you know like you've got santa claus and stuff like that and you got you know uncle sam and all that for the fourth of july you know like baby new year and like for halloween it's just like oh it's a black cat and vampires mm-hmm. and stuff but like sam definitely has like they embodied the spirit of halloween with him and stuff and i really like that i like the interwoven stories i'm i'm a sucker for horror comedies and stuff like that this isn't my favorite horror comedy by a long shot but this is uh probably it's up there as one of my favorite anthology films um which is saying a lot because uh like that's with like creep show which is directed by uh oh no losing cred it's it's co-done by uh romero who did the dawn of the dead evil or not evil dead dawn of the dead night of the living dead all that stuff and it's also uh written with uh stephen king so like that came out in the 80s i love that one but all that being said uh i give trick-or-treat a solid eight out of 10 uh sam's that did sam (laughs) so i do believe that comes out to a 22 out of 30 for trick-or-treat from 2007 which gives us what total 73 a 73 73%. just a what did we get last a 72 point three or something like that Uh, yeah 72 so just Mm -hmm. a just a little little bit like comparable score 73 which i think is a fair it's 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 not Uh going to be everybody's movie like i think like when you start hitting the eight the 80s and stuff that's when it's just like i mean it's hard to it's hard not to like this movie 90s and stuff like that then you're talking like this is this is a fucking great movie this movie you know it's going to have its haters it's going to have its lovers and stuff uh this definitely uh, as you can see, like going to Spirit Halloween and Hot Topic and all that stuff, it's like the next generation Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. You see Sam everywhere. Well, I think this movie, when you're talking about holiday based, is like this movie feels very much to me about Halloween as like the Santa Claus with with Tim Allen feels like for Christmas. So it it's very much that like what movie do you watch during the holidays that very very much embodies that spirit that's the movie but i'm also a huge santa claus fan so like i think that that's kind of the the line that draws across for me yeah and it like it's literally i mean not not every family but gather around we're gonna watch trick or treat (laughs) you know like it's definitely a movie that you could have playing while you're handing out candy and stuff like that it just has that feel and everything so that being said we give uh uh, pot of the dead the uh, terrifying trio that we are give uh trick-or-treat from 2007 a73 um we are almost done this is a movie club so we are going to tell you what we are going to watch this week so we can talk about it next week and that movie is hey kids it's your old pal Satan here with a a little note that next week's actually our first double feature episode. So we'll be watching the Wes Craven classic Scream along with the Liv Tyler starring film The Strangers. So do come back and listen to the gang. For Pot of the Dead, this is producer Satan signing off.